0: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. In
1: 1969, Governor Ronald Reagan of California made what he later admitted was one of the biggest mistakes of his political life. He was seeking to eliminate the strife and deception often associated with the legal regime of fault-based divorce. So Reagan signed the nation's first no-fault divorce bill. In the new law eliminated or the new law eliminated the need for couples to fabricate spousal wrongdoing in pursuit of a divorce. Indeed, One likely reason for Reagan's decision to sign the bill was that his first wife, Jane Wyman, had unfairly accused him of mental cruelty to obtain a divorce in 1948. But no-fault divorce also gutted marriage of its legal power to bind husband and wife, allowing one spouse to dissolve a marriage for any reason or for no reason at all. In the decade and a half that followed, Virtually every state in the union followed California's lead and enacted a no-fault divorce law of its own. And that legal transformation was only one of the more visible signs of the divorce revolution, then sweeping the United States. From 1960 to 1980, the divorce rate more than doubled in America. The institutional tenor of the age also meant that the churches lost much of their moral authority to reinforce the marital vow. It didn't help that many Protestant, Catholic, and Jewish leaders were caught up in the zeitgeist and lent explicit or implicit supports to the divorce revolution and also remarriage after the divorce. Well... What might that have to do with the new suggestion that America divorce America? You got that right, friends, that America divorce Americans or America itself. Well, here's an interesting piece from the World Tribune. Legislation which would move the Oregon-Idaho border to include several counties in eastern Oregon, has already passed the Idaho House of Representatives. The legislation would see about 13 Oregon counties, making up 63% of the Beaver State's land mass and 9% of its population, move within Idaho's borders and divorce Oregon and marry Idaho. Eleven of the eastern Oregon counties have already voted in favor of joining Idaho and divorcing Oregon. And such a large-scale change to state borders hasn't occurred since the Civil War. Moving the borders would require the Idaho legislature, the Oregon legislature, and Congress to all sign off in favor of the divorce and remarriage. Such a change has not occurred since the Civil War. Are we involved in a Civil War that is resulting in a declaration of divorce? Well, maybe so. According to Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia, we need a national divorce. That's what she said, we need a national divorce. And it's more popular than you might think. She said, we need to separate by red states and blue states and shrink the federal government. Everyone I talk to says this, she says, for the sick and disgusting woke. Well, if you're at all familiar with Green, you can probably guess where she was going. And you also won't be surprised to learn that she's returned to the theme a few hours later on her congressional account, issuing an ultimatum you got to impeach President Joe Biden or permit the split. In other words, permit the bo- uh, divorce. Because what he has done is so divisive of the nation that there's virtually no thread left to keep the bond of marriage in America going. Green has received a backlash to her proposal that was voracious and predictable. Representative Robert Garcia Democrat from California called Green a traitor. And a write up at the New Republic branded her initial post borderline sedition. And Rachel Maddow, show producer, Steve Bennon, castigated America for not being more offended. Former Representative Liz Cheney accused Green of violating her oath of office. And Utah Governor Spencer Cox labeled the proposal evil. But, meanwhile, Twitter's many many amateur historians assiduously explained that this whole succession thing was settled actually back when we did the Civil War. Wow. These critiques are an exercise in missing not one, but several points. That this isn't a novel idea for Green or her base, that national divorce is a popular idea across the American political spectrum, including many progressive Democrats, and that it's popular for pretty good reason. In the grand scheme of stuff that comes out of Green's mouth, well, national divorce proposals are well on the normal and sensible side. She's been on the national divorce train for at least a year and a half. And it's returned to the subject repeatedly. Is America on the verge of a national divorce? Well, consider these facts. A national split is a hot topic on the populist right. Two-thirds of Southern Republicans are ready for regional succession. One survey found... And another later that year had 52% of voters for former President Donald Trump ready for blue or red states to depart and form their own separate countries. Four in ten Republicans believe their state would do the same or better if struck out solo. And the Republican Party of Texas last year added a call for a state referendum on whether or not the state of Texas should reassert its status as an independent nation to its platform. And on it goes. And this crowd isn't alone in the interest in slicing up America. As Roosevelt University political science uh, scientist David Franz noticed, noticed or observed, if fantasizing about a national divorce is sedition, a lot of people might want to go back and check their tweets during the year, the week of November 8th, 2016. It appears, friends, that the concept of national divorce is a mainstream idea in America. A very large country with deep political animosities. In other words, a declaration that irreconcilable differences have arisen, such as to cause an irremediable breakdown of the national marriage. Wow. Does this get your attention? It should, because there are a lot of components to this, and we're going to talk about it on Viewpoint today. Viewpoint does determine destiny, and we can see that the viewpoints in America have been determining destiny and will. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be right back. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer conversation with ever-increasing conviction talk that transforms. A national divorce in lieu of a civil war? That is what's being looked at, and it's very common in the thinking across America. More than half of Americans are very interested in dividing up the national assets, so to speak, and the children of America, and forming their own independent new families, But isn't that what red states and blue states were all about in the first place? Why do we call them red states and blue states? Because we're incredibly divided. But what is the basis of the division? That might be the most important thing for us to look at. What is the basis for the division? Well, we can get an idea here. An article that came out in the last part of 2022 from World Magazine talked about fading faith in America. Not faith in America, but fading faith among those who are in America. A deepening religious recession. In other words, fewer and fewer people in America are walking or living in the fear of the Lord even in a modest way. And since the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy understanding, well, you can well understand then if a major part of the nation, if not the largest part of the nation, has already for all practical purposes declared the fear of the Lord to be something that will not have anything to do with, and they're going to walk out on their own and leave the rest of the country. The ones that still believe in the God of the Bible, the ones that still believe that God is the creator of heaven and earth, leave them to themselves. So the blue states now have, in effect, declared their independence from the red states. The blue states being those that are primarily occupied by people who have declared the fear of the Lord to be something they don't want to have anything to do with. The Bible's authority has no place whatsoever in their lives. And the red states at least hanging on to a residue of the fear of the Lord. And so, the great divide. An article came out in 2001 containing this quotation and I wanted to share it with you. All history bears witness to the fact that when vital godliness is at a low ebb, the sacred institution of marriage is held in light esteem. Well, this is not talking about national marriage. This is talking about marriage itself. So, in reality, there is a direct line between the divorce that's being called for in America itself and the divorces that we have approved over the past 60 years between married couples in America. The divorce revolution linked to the sexual revolution has actually led to a national divorce symptom. Another study came out just today, actually, a researcher's warning. That is, uh, Dr. George Barna, director of the Cultural Research Center in Arizona Christian University, issued an alert in a statement yesterday revealing just 4% of American adults now have a biblical worldview. That's down from 6% who said the same thing months before the pandemic in January 22 or 2020. He said, when you put the data in perspective, the biblical worldview is shuffling toward the edge of the cliff. And as things stand today, biblical theism is much closer to extinction in America than it is to influence in the soul of the nation. That, my friends, is the reason why we are facing what many are calling for In fact, within the Democratic Party and liberals and even globalists are basically trying to move things toward the spirit of a civil war in America. To try to force the issue. Hence, others are saying, no, let's not go to that extent. Let's just have a peaceful divorce. Let's just divide the nation Red states and blue states, so to speak, just like in Oregon, 13 counties wanting to secede from the union of being Oregonians to divorce Oregon and to embrace Idaho, to remarry Idaho. That same spirit now is growing rapidly in America as the only way to resolve the internal differences, the so-called irreconcilable differences that have arisen within the country. So much for my country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty. Not so much anymore. This may all come as a bit of a shock to many, but in fact, this is not, should not come as a shock because we've been watching it take place. We've been swimming in the waters of irreconcilable differences or increasingly irreconcilable differences for many, many years. I've been watching it grow from coast to coast. When I was a teacher in Southern California from 1967 to 1975, I watched it take place in American education. When I began to practice law in 1975 in California, I watched it in the courthouse. I watched it in the church house. Eighty percent of my clientele came for the broader body of Christ. of my practice was in the area of family law, in the largest family law court in the nation, the Los Angeles Superior Court System, nine courts. And what I discovered is that within the church, well, they wanted a Christian lawyer, but not so much. They didn't want a Christian lawyer to tell them what Christ had to say about marriage. They just wanted a Christian lawyer to make themselves feel better about their decision to divorce. It was painful to watch. I felt a bit like Moses when he did not want to see God's people treating each other the way they were, but God authorized Moses to give them a bill of divorcement because of the hardness of their hearts, not because it was God's will, not even his permissive will. But in some way to try to preserve and protect the dissension and anger and violence that would result, he said, give them a bill of divorcement. When the religious leaders of Jesus' day accosted him concerning this matter, thinking that somehow Jesus was going to speak in violation of the law, when they asked him, uh, was it proper for a man to divorce his wife for any cause? And Jesus said, what did Moses say? They said, well, he said, grant us that we could grant a bill of divorcement. And Jesus said, come on, guys, you know, and I know, we both know that from the beginning, it was not so. That from the very beginning, God said that for this cause, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and the two shall be one flesh. What God has joined together, man must not put asunder. And so they all responded, yes, but. In other words, we're going to do what we want to do, just like they did in Moses' day, and just like Americans have been doing since the 1960s. It's interesting, my wife and I were both married in 1966, together. Yes, we're still married, 56 years later. Uh, did I say 56? I meant 66, in 1966. So we got started on Route 66 there in the West Coast, and we're on the East Coast now, still married, and uh, quite frankly, we have witnessed this entire panoply of the development of marriage, divorce, and remarriage in God's house. That's been our area of primary concern. Because if it happens in God's house you can expect that it would happen on steroids in Satan's house. Because there are only two households. There's the one that God has ordained and called out. And if we don't do and obey what God has said concerning the institution of marriage, which he himself started and ordained and set as the panoply of his purpose, his prophetic purposes from Genesis chapter 2 to Revelation chapter 22. If we don't get it, we have to question whether we're part of God's house. Hmm. You say, really, is it that serious? Is it that you better believe it, my friend? It is that serious, because Jesus said that He's not coming back for a bride with spot, wrinkle, or any such thing. You say, well, that's not what my pastor said, or that's not what my Christian friends said, or that's not what my Christian counselor said. Well, obviously, they're not in agreement with what God said, or what Jesus said, are they? So, we're looking at something that is absolutely mind-boggling now. Here are a few intriguing divorce statistics, as at the end of last year. Marriage-divorce statistics reveal that roughly every 36 seconds there is a divorce occurring somewhere in the United States. There were only three-tenths of a percent of divorces for every 1,000 Americans between 1867 and 1879. In other words, almost none. UN statistics on divorce suggests the United States has the third highest divorce rate in the world. This is the nation that purports to be a nation under God. Obviously, we're not a nation under God. We're under Satan's guidance, many of us in the name of Christ, having adopted Satan's rule concerning marriage and divorce and remarriage. We just don't believe God, we don't trust God, and uh, we don't obey him. We're not interested in that. We're interested in doing our own thing, which is what the demand of the sexual revolution was all about. Now, if you want to find out what was going on at that time, you might want to watch the new film in the theaters called The Jesus Revolution. Now, it doesn't show a lot of sexual anarchy there, but the spirit of it was there. Something had to provide hope, and the film does provide hope. But then one wonders how many of those hundreds of thousands of kids that got baptized were walking with the Lord in agreement with his word ten years later. We don't know. It's like Billy Graham said that the number one problem With his ministry, he was responding to Larry uh, Larry King on his television program before he left CNN, and Larry King asked him, well, surely with the tremendous success you've had, there isn't anything that you would do differently. And Billy Graham said, oh, no. He said, the greatest regret that I have is that I did not do more to disciple the people. In other words, to teach them obey God. So it gave them the illusion of being saved, but walking in the delusion of not obeying God. Think about that. That's a picture of America today. According to this article, the most significant reason for the steady decline of divorces since the 1980s is the fact that marriage is becoming more selective among millennials. Selective? Well, it depends on what you mean by that. Not getting married? Yes. Not getting married? Failure to launch until their 30s and 40s? Yes. But the prevalence of divorce for people over the age of 45 continues to be on the rise. Why is that? Because the largest percentage of divorce is still among baby boomers. Who are the baby boomers, friends? They are the Jesus people of the Jesus revolution of the 1960s. Rebelling against God, divorcing themselves from their spouses, and as a reflection, divorcing themselves from the spirit of the Lord. I want you to think about that in the context of our whole country now. We'll be right back. Welcome back to uh, to Viewpoint. I was going to say welcome back to fatherhood, but we can't welcome you back to fatherhood because fatherhood is almost non-existent now in America. Why is it almost non-existent? Because of two main things. Number one, unwed childbirth. Number two, divorce. Those are the two causes, primary causes of fatherlessness in America, which is now deemed by sociologists to be the biggest social problem in America. So the echoing consequences of divorce and then the willingness to cohabit or to have sex outside of marriage are the number one and number two causes of fatherlessness, which God says, if it's not correct, it is going to bring a total curse on the country. You say, really? God said that? Well, let's put it this way. The prophet Malachi, just before 400 years of political, excuse me, of prophetic silence, uh, there in the book of Malachi said that before the great and terrible day of the Lord, that uh, he would send forth the spirit of Elijah the prophet to call the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest he strike the earth with a curse. Well, friends, we are struck with a curse. When you're talking about uh, 40, almost 50% of America's children being without fathers in the home, you're in a position of a curse. When it's causing poverty more than any other factor in the country. It's not racism that's causing poverty. It's unwed pregnancy and divorce. Well, guess which group of people, by the way, fit that bill most closely? Black America. Black America has the highest divorce rate in the country, higher than any other people group in the country, and also has by far the highest unwed childbirth rate. Not only that, but it has the highest abortion rate. I'm beginning to see the problem. The curse causeless has not come. The cause is right in front of our eyes, and we refuse to look at it. So let me ask you a question. What causes the breakdown of the family? Everybody wants to decry the breakdown of the family. So the breakdown of the family in America is akin to the breakdown of the whole country. So if we're willing to divorce our spouses at the family level, and we're willing to divorce our children by virtue of divorcing our spouses, which has left a million children almost every single year since the late 1960s as virtual orphans in their homes, without father or mother, virtual orphans, so, what would we expect in terms of the breakdown of our national bond? If the bond within our families is so cavalierly broken and ordained as appropriate and reasonable and even loving by our pastors and parachurch leaders and politicians, then why should we be surprised that the fabric of the entire country is now at the level of either civil war or a political divorce? From God's perspective, this is the natural outcome. These are the echoing consequences. So what causes the breakdown of the family? Would it shock you to know that the true cause for the breakdown of the family is the most politically and religiously protected sin in America today? It's true. Would it also shock you to know that those most loudly decrying the breakdown of the family are often those who refuse to talk about the real reason the family is breaking down? And how could these things be? Why would someone who deplores the breakdown of the family refuse to put their finger with force on the source of that which spells the destruction of our society? Why would they do that? For power, perks, and position, friends. That's why. It's not hard to figure it out. It's happening from pulpit to pew. It's happening politically politically. It's happening educationally, and it's happening spiritually. The church has done almost nothing to protect the bond of marriage. Almost nothing. In fact, because it purports to be the spiritual leader of the country, providing moral and spiritual authority and when that collapses, and the church and her pastors and parachurch leaders, and through the the uh, uh, books that are being written, articles being written, broadcasts being broadcast, always in the name of compassion, supporting that which God says He hates, which is divorce. It's true. God says He hates it. He calls homosexuality, the practice of homosexuality, an abomination. But he says he hates divorce. Do you have any idea how God looks at divorce among professing Christians today? Are we really Christians? Are you sure? Don't answer too quickly. Maybe we need a, uh, uh, a revival to spread not among our kids, but among Baby boomers and generation X. Maybe we need a kind of revival that would sweep through the entire country. Maybe it doesn't start in Wilmore, Kentucky at Asbury University. Maybe it should start in your church. Are you listening, my pastor friend? This is not a game. We're on the near edge of the second coming of Jesus Christ, and this is the game we're playing. you want to play a game with destiny? We cry and wring our hands about the liberals in America, and yet Christians, Christian pastors, evangelical pastors, fundamentalist pastors have approved what Ronald Reagan said he made a terrible mistake at in 1969. No-fault divorce. All you have to do is say, well, you know, I'm not feeling good about my marriage today, and you know what, it's just just getting hard, so I'm just going to declare that there are irreconcilable differences, such as to cause the irremediable breakdown of my marriage, and therefore grant me a divorce. I'm on the road to the next one. Serial adultery. Now, before we go further, if you listened during the break, you heard that we provide things to help us, to help our listeners, to help our country with regard to to this matter of our marriages. And it's true. It has been one of the most important things that we have ever talked about on this program. It's also the thing that has gotten us into more trouble than almost anything else we ever talked about. And you know why that is? Because divorce and remarriage have been politically and religiously protected in this country. Anybody who will talk about these things with spiritual honesty is canceled. Canceled culture has been alive and well in our churches for a very long period of time. I wish I had time to share with you some of the experiences that I have had with some of the primary, most prominent Christian leaders in the land over this issue. You would be shocked. They're going to protect divorce and remarriage come hell or high water, no matter what the Bible says, no matter what Jesus says because they want to protect their power, their perks, and their position, and they know that this has gotten so far down the track that if they were to speak honestly and biblically about the subject, they would lose a major part of their congregation in 30 days. In other words, they love the praises of men more than the praises of God you say wow you're you're talking pretty boldly about this well it's because of a holy boldness friends it's not because i want to do that it's because god wants to address his people he's up to his eyeballs so to speak with fury over what has happened in the name of christ to dissolve the marriage that he ordained as a demonstration on earth of the trustworthiness of the relationship of Christ to his church. And we think we can deal cavalierly with that in the name of compassion, and it's false compassion, friends. Now, on our website... Uh, there are a number of fact sheets that would speak to this issue in different ways. I urge you to go to that website on the fact sheets and check it out. We're dealing with something that is causing God to weep, as it were, for the parapets of heaven. And the whole country now is on the verge of dissolving because we have been willing to cavalierly dissolve our families and our marriages, all shaking our fist in the face of God to exalt our own feelings and their lordship.
0: We'll be right back. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
1: I have in front of me a series of letters received from a variety of listeners over the last several years. These are just illustrative, and uh, let me share a few things with you. One says, I really appreciate your ministry, especially concerning the divorce-remarriage issue. There are too few voices these days addressing that great problem in the church. Another said, thank you for being the voice of the wilderness that I have been praying for. I've been praying that God would raise up a national voice to shout to the nation, what God's word says about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. I just not could not believe all the lies I was hearing on this subject from Christians, Christian radio, Christian talk shows, Christian TV, Christian advice books. Finally, someone pointed me to your website and your Viewpoint radio program. I pray God will bless you a million times over for being a voice of truth. As Paul wrote to Timothy, for there is going to come a time when people won't listen to the truth, but will go around looking for teachers who will tell them just what they want to hear. They won't listen to what the Bible says, but will blithely follow their own misguided ideas. That's where we are, and I appreciate those of you who write... Another writes, I also want to thank you for your uncompromising stance on the divorce, remarriage issue. Truly, sanctioned adultery, remarriage while a covenant spouse is still living is by far the worst problem existing within the church today. The church remaining silent in the guise of grace and love. I pray that through your ministry and others of like minds and hearts, many would even be equipped with the word of God and thereby be loosed from the bondage of sin sin. They are unknowingly partaking of. Thank you so much. And many others. Now, I want to uh, provide a couple of uh, helpful pieces for you today. Because we don't just decry the darkness here on this program, we provide hope and the hope there's only one hope for this issue and that is repentance repentance of our rebellion against god against the words of christ himself and against the words of price uh, of the apostle paul echoing the words of christ such as 1 corinthians 7:39 A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if he be dead, and only if he be dead, then is she free to remarry, and only then to a true follower of Christ. That's basically the simple distillation of God's view, till death do us part. Jesus put it differently. He said, whoever divorces their spouse causes them to commit adultery. And whoever marries the one so divorced commits adultery. You say, but isn't there an exception clause? Well, there's no exception to the basic principle. No exception at all. The exception clause, which says save for the cause of fornication, has to do with someone who committed fornication unbeknownst to the spouse that's being married before they got married. It doesn't say save for the cause of adultery. It says save for the cause of fornication. In other words, if it's discovered and it hadn't been, re, uh, uh, you had not been informed in, in advance before you married the person that they had been involved in a sexual union earlier, in other words, fornication. Then, as the law would put it, it was fraud in the inducement. And therefore, gives you the right to an annulment. Or, as the scripture says, save for the cause of fornication. That's the only position that allows the putting away, period. Has nothing to do with adultery or fornication after the marriage. It has to do with fornication before you got married, and only then if it was undisclosed. I once had a legal case just like that. Among two Christians. Now, that having been said, I want to make available to you two books. One is seduction of the saints, how to stay pure in a world of deception. You see, the word seduction that is used in the scripture, along with the word deception, is a sexual term. God used it purposely in his word. Because when we diss what God has said about anything, and particularly about marriage and divorce or remarriage or our sexual, sexual lives, He uses the term seduction because we all understand what that means. And no one is ever seduced against their will. Otherwise, you would not be responsible for it before God. You're seduced, we're seduced as human beings, because there's something in us that is willing to be seduced at that particular moment in time. A man or a woman who ends up in a relationship, an affair, so to speak, occurring in the workplace, occurs because either or both of them, in fact, both of them, are willing to be seduced by the other. It's never against your will. Never. It may be against what you know is right before God, but it's not against your will. That's why you're held responsible. And that's why we have to repent. So the book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception, doesn't just deal with this issue. It does deal with this issue in part. But the majority of the book is about a whole vast array of how we become seduced or deceived. And Jesus said this was the number one characteristic of the end times. Don't you think, then, that what's happened in this country purported to be the one of only two countries in the world, supposedly established on some sort of a covenant relationship with God, Israel, and America, that the divorce issue now has taken over in both countries? Just a few years ago, an article came out from Israel saying that uh, the divorce rate in Israel is rapidly following in the jet stream of the divorce in America. So we're responsible as Gentile Christians. We're not making Jewish people jealous. We're making them more defiant of the word of God. All purportedly in the name of Christ. You see how monstrous this deception is? We must repent. That means we have to own up to it. We have to confess it, not make excuses for it. We have to confess it openly. This is how revival comes. This is what revival looks like. Revival doesn't first look like a giant worship service. It looks like people falling on the floor and weeping. Realizing finally how severe the situation has become. If you want to heal this country, that's where it has to start. In God's house. Because judgment's going to begin at God's house. Yes, even on this issue. No matter how you, th- you think about it, no matter how threatened you may feel about it, the threat is much greater about your eternal destiny than it is about your current feelings. Right? right. I'm just putting it out as clearly as I possibly can because I love you and care for you and God cares for you and he's willing to have somebody tell you the truth before it's too late to say you're sorry. The healing of America depends on you and me in this regard. The book, Seduction of the Saints, it's an $18 book, yours for $15 on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us at Save America Ministries. Now, the other book is Lasting Love. It's a small book, Secrets of Marital Success, Seven Secrets of Marital Success. It is a beautiful, beautiful little book. It contains a motto that the Lord gave me to share with my wife. About 20 some years ago, 25 years ago, maybe now. And it did so much to bring increasing unity in our marriage. Seven Secrets of Marital Success. It's called Lasting Love. It's a $14 book. It's yours for $10 on our website, saveus.org. $10. You can get both of those books. That would be $25. And if you get both of the books, the uh, postage and handling would be a total of $7. Otherwise, for each individual individual books, it's $5. So, Seduction of the Saints, Lasting Love. As you read the book, Lasting Love, you're going to hear yours Truly and his wife, who wrote this book in celebration of our 50th wedding anniversary as a message to our children, our grandchildren, and to the whole country by extension. Here are seven secrets in a motto that if you will follow it, Your marriage most likely will be restored and strengthened. If you try to short uh, shortchange it, you're not going to end up where you want. Lasting love. Seven secrets, simple secrets for marital success. A fourteen dollar book yours for ten dollars. It's on our website saveus.org. Give us a call, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Finally, another listener writes, Chuck, I find this topic that you're talking about the most taboo of all the topics in the Christian church because it truly is a key issue. For it deals with human relationships in front of God at the building block level. It really divides the believers. When I talk with more conservative Protestants and Catholics, they are almost unanimous about marriage being a one-shot deal outside of widowhood. Everyone who is divorced looks for a loophole to justify their future actions of remarrying. Thus, the present state of the church body is at least 50% remarried. Couples, try to get the pastor to take a stand here. Ain't going to happen. He wants to be liked and build his numbers. Now the church body, like a virus, is taken over with a new belief system and a new spirit. Now, the teaching on the sin nature and what it truly means to repent has been actually uh, replaced and erased. That's where we are. There are those, there's a remnant out there, who sees this with clarity, the precious few. Some have had to go through great pain to come clean with God on this and repent. Weeping may endure for a night, friends. But joy will come in the morning. Thanks for joining here on Viewpoint today. Become a partner. Send your gifts by faith, friends, to Save America Ministries. If you really are interested in saving the country, if you really are interested in that, you will do something about your own marriage situation. You will. But if you're not really that interested, you won't. You'll just go along to get along and play the game. Until Jesus comes and then what will he say? Depart from me or well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's up to him and you. Thanks for joining us. God bless, and we'll be back tomorrow, God willing, and as they say, if the creek don't rise.
0: You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's
1: heart and home.